You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into this crossover Thursday. Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears alongside both Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker from Locked On 49ers. Getting you ready for a big matchup between two teams with rookie quarterbacks, although two teams in very different parts of their quarterback journeys right now, but certainly not seeing as much success as they would want to see. Today's, today's crossover Thursday episode brought to you by McDonald's. It's a proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get some tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. Big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I was going to say I'm loving it, but I guess we're loving it today with the podcast and bringing us all together here. But we're loving this matchup with the Bears and the 49ers, two teams that I think we've seen some parallels between them on their, their quarterback drafting processes here. But Bears obviously go into fields a little bit earlier than Lance. Or I guess the 49ers went to Lance briefly there with, with Jimmy Garoppolo. I guess, uh, Brian, to start, how what was the quarterback plan from the beginning for the 49ers? And and how have they stuck to or deviated from what they were saying in, you know, in May and then through training camp? Kyle Shanahan's stuck with it. I think the only thing he's veered off of is earlier on he talked about how uh, a player needs to play and needs reps, and now he's realizing, I think, during the season that it's too hard to get your starting quarterback reps, get him ready to win a football game, and get your backup quarterback reps as if he would be uh, getting ready to become a starting quarterback. Um, but he's you know, kind of backed off of the two-quarterback thing a little bit from, from uh, training camp and preseason, but... He's always said it was Jimmy was the one and Trey's the two. And the only reason Trey Lance started a game is because Jimmy was hurt and Jimmy was healthy and able to play. And now that he's back and healthy, he's the starter. And so until further notice, that's it. Jimmy's the one and Trey's the two. And he also was asked that question a couple different ways this week. And his response, basically, he made it sound like they would be giving up the season. He said, you don't play players just for experience until you're all the way out of it. So I think... The way Kyle Shanahan's going about it right now, unless it starts to be very clear that Jimmy G is not better than Trey Lance and Trey Lance gives them the best shot to win now, until they're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, which they hope doesn't happen at all, we're not going to see Trey Lance starting any games if Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy. So that's the plan, and I think that's the way they're going to keep doing it, and I don't think there's enough time to develop your backup quarterback in Trey Lance to get him ready. And and if I'm not mistaken, that's kind of what happened with Justin Fields and the Bears, right? Is not enough reps to go around. No reps with the ones. And all of a sudden, Al Robinson's like, yeah, you know what? I didn't really get to work with Justin Fields all that much in training camp. It's like, whoops. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty important to develop this young player. And I know that Nagy had the same situation with the Bears, trying to develop that young quarterback, but then also had a veteran that he was like, nope, he's the starter. Andy Dalton's the starter. Jimmy Garoppolo's the starter. And it's really hard to keep the masses at bay when you go draft a, a superstar talent quarterback like the Bears and the 49ers did. That's just hard to keep the media, the fans at bay, especially when your veteran starting quarterback isn't lighting the world on fire, and Jimmy Garoppolo is not. Yeah, Eric, where, where do you sort of land on how much blame Jimmy Garoppolo gets now for, for four straight losses, two and four? I think expectations, at least on the outside, seem like they were going to be quite a bit higher for the 49ers this season. Obviously, a, a tough division, and things have kind of gotten weird with Seattle, too. But like, where, where do you sort of place the blame on, on Jimmy Garoppolo versus other things that are going wrong for the 49ers right now? 
Yeah, it's tough. Uh, you know, we talked about it. There's not one thing that you can kind of pinpoint as to why the 49ers lose games. You know, it, 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 I think that might be the sign of a bad team. It's weird because when you watch the 49ers, you don't, you don't see like bad team. They actually have a talented roster. They have guys that make plays and, but they find different ways each week to lose. There, there's not one week where they lose the same way. And that's the strangest thing. And again, might be a sign of a bad team. Uh, I think, you know, when you look at at least Jimmy Garoppolo from his standpoint and, and what blame he might take on with this and, you know, one of those games Trey Lance started, but when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo, I think he doesn't, he, he typically, aside from the Packers game, doesn't really help win the game. Like he typically does enough to where, you know, he's not going to just throw the game away for the most part. Now I know this game, he threw multiple interceptions in the rain, but typically on a game to game basis, he does enough to where it kind of keeps you in games, but he's not that like playmaker. And he, and he's not a guy that typically makes plays outside the structure of the offense. So when things aren't there, he just might miss or, you know, have an incompletion on third down. Then what happens is you start to string together three, four, five, just stagnant possessions. And then ultimately, Oh man, next thing you know, 49ers lost. It's been kind of that. So I think that's why Kyle has still kind of been able to hang his hat on the fact that, Hey, you know, Jimmy's our guy. Jimmy could be our starter because when you look at the games, you can't really pinpoint one game, maybe outside of this one in the point rain. And even then you could use that as an excuse as to why the 49ers did not win with Jimmy Garoppolo in the game. So, Eric, keeping it with you, if, you know, roster seems talented on paper, right? And it's not it's not purely Jimmy Garoppolo. Like there's, there's players and there's talent, but they're playing like a bad team. Does that not point to head coach Kyle Shanahan? I mean, is that is that sort of the why there's been sort of hot seat rumblings there. Cause of course I think we all perceive him as, you know, I don't want to say genius head coach, but innovative quarterback friendly system. Obviously went to the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago. I mean, how, if, if it's not, if it's not the quarterback and it's not necessarily the roster talent, that would sort of point to the GM. I mean, does, does coach get blamed there or, or what's sort of your evaluation of, of Shanahan through all this? Well, you know, I think definitely Shanahan has to take some of the blame here. I mean, this is, his ship, he's the captain of it. He doesn't answer to anyone except for maybe Jet York. And even then, Jet York has really stepped away since signing or hiring uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan. You know, I, when you look at some of these losses, it's, I don't even know what the coach can do, right? I mean, look at the Colts game. A lot of it was just third down pass interferences. If the 49ers don't get called for like three or four third down pass interferences that resulted in big gains, they probably blow the Indianapolis Colts out. So it's like, how much of that is coaching? How much can the coach uh, prepare you to not get called for pass interference when cornerbacks have been playing physically their whole lives? You know, so those are things I, they, they have to figure out the answer to it. It does come back to Kyle Shanahan because at the end of the day, he, he has to prepare his guys to be more disciplined. But right now, I'm not sure exactly what more Kyle can do in some of these instances, because they've been weird. I mean, even go back to the Packers game, you know, they're in your guys' division. 49ers had the lead with 37 seconds left and no timeouts, and the Packers were able to, you know, have a couple of plays to move down the field and score. I don't know. It's like, can we put that on Kyle Shanahan? I think the bigger thing with Kyle Shanahan is, at the end of the day, the results are the results. You're 2-4 and four right now, and you have one winning season in four years, even heading into the season. Yeah, like like the Bears, I think all the focus for both of these teams have kind of been on the offense, the quarterback position. But Brian, one last thing before we change gears here, 
everyone's gonna be paying attention to Justin Fields, right? And when what the 49ers defense is gonna do against him. We've seen some different strategies. We've seen some teams try and blitz him heavily, other teams kind of try and drop back and throw a lot of different things at him coverage-wise. Obviously, I think we we know to expect some pressure there from Bosa and, and a, a pretty strong front seven there from the 49ers. O- overall, what are your sort of expectations for this 49ers defense? Where's your level of confidence in them coming into this game? The 49ers defense has been an odd unit because they've been solid and they've been the better side of the ball so far this season for the 49ers. Um, Crocker mentioned some of those pass interference penalties and they've been the most penalized team in the league and that's not good, but they've wow. been a bend, don't break defense and, and Bosa's been awesome and he's been disruptive. I think they, he could get a little bit more help from the rest of his defensive line, but really it's been just a, a solid but unspectacular unit overall. And when I watch the Bears... I see how bad Justin Fields has dealt with blitzes, whether that's him and his calls or the offensive line not helping him out and the line has not helped him out from what I can tell. And I've got some questions for you about that. Maybe the 49ers will go with a little bit more blitz heavy package because that's what's worked. And if you watch the film and you see something giving a team trouble, I think you got to try to do it. So maybe they'll try to put pressure on the young quarterback and maybe take some pressure off of their defensive backs. Well, definitely a lot to get into with this matchup, and I'm sure we'll see more parallels for these two teams as we dive into it a little bit more. But first, I want to remind you, this today's episode is brought to you by our friends at McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been a place for more than just tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's a place where you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. Maybe use the bathroom, get a little snack in there. It's always a, a nice little cheap step by, something to fill you up and get you on to your next thing. It's a, it's, a, it's just a part of so many different communities. It's there at, at every exit, and you can always sort of make sure there's a, there's always going to be a McDonald's there for you to be able to rely on. So head to your, your favorite local McDonald's to refuel and connect. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Today's episode also brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com. They're a family business that have been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. They get everything you could possibly need for your vehicle from the complicated stuff like fuel pump assemblies and engine control modules to easy stuff like tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. So if you name it, if you've got a problem with your vehicle, they'll have a part for you at rockauto.com. Their catalog is so deep, but it's super easy to navigate. You just enter in your car's make and model and boom, pulls up all the different parts for your vehicle. And you can sort between the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Those prices are particularly important because some of the chain part stores will have different price tiers if you're a professional mechanic versus a do-it-yourselfer like us. But rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, so don't spend up to twice as much for the same part somewhere else. Head on over to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck. And when you check out, fill out their box. It says, how did you hear about us? And write in the words, locked on. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Thursday crossover here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker here from Locked On 49ers with Lauren Cox of Locked On Bears. Just to sort of cap that conversation we just had about the coaching and the 49ers coaching staff, my co-host on the Peacock and Williamson NFL show today dropped a stat on me that I had not heard yet, and I'm surprised I haven't seen this on 49ers Twitter, but... A name that we, everybody listening to this show knows very well, Mike Singletary, currently has a better, I say currently as if he's going to get another head coaching job, currently has a better career record as head coach 
of the 49ers than Kyle Shanahan does. Uh, wow. And I was a little bit shocked by that because the, the Mike Singletary era was quite interesting for the 49ers. And it feels like the Shanahan 49ers have been a lot better than that team. But really, uh, at a certain point, you have to look at the scoreboard and say, Shanahan's got to get better. And it's all on him from the top down. It's up to him to get this ship righted. Is this the week that that could happen? We will find out. Uh, we've got questions for you, Lauren, when it comes to this Bears team. And I want to—I definitely want to talk about the young quarterback because when this Bears 49ers game came up on the schedule, I circled it and I almost bought plane tickets right away. I was like, I got to see this. This is like, you know, future Hall of Fame quarterbacks, the next great superstar quarterbacks in the league, Justin Fields and Trey Lance. They got to be starting by this point in the season. Uh, turns out Trey Lance will not be starting. I don't know if he's going to be healthy enough to have a uniform in this game and even be a backup and be used sparingly. But Justin Fields is out there and it hasn't gone extremely well for him. Um, how much of the blame of the struggles for Justin Fields can you explain away by maybe coaching and maybe a porous offensive line in front of him? I think a decent amount, but it's certainly not everything, right? I mean, of course, he he bears responsibility. And we've seen quarterbacks like Justin Herbert and others come in and sort of be these exceptional rookie quarterbacks. And maybe he and others have unfairly raised their expectations. But I think it kind of cycles, right? You'll have a, a class of rookies where a rookie comes in and plays really, really well. And then every team gets quarterback hungry and drafts them early and plays them early and expects them to play well. And, and it's hard to sort of live up to those expectations. But to, to not get off your question too much, it's like even when even when Fields makes mistakes, you, you almost want to blame the coaching staff for his own mistakes because he hasn't had the preparation time. And that ultimately does come back down to the coaching staff, not giving him first team reps through training camp and, you know, barely throwing with Allen Robinson. Like you'd mentioned earlier, the quote from Robinson, he'd been, he hadn't really had first team reps with fields. So they're still getting on the same page. Like all the different things that you might, that you would blame on fields for like, Oh yeah, he, he missed that throw to his wide receiver. That's on fields. Yes. But you can also find ways to divert some of that blame to the coaching staff for not better preparing fields along the way for this moment. The, the plan was originally to start Andy Dalton all 16 games or 17 games, excuse me. But then he suffers a knee injury. Fields comes in and plays relatively well. And then they kind of feel like fields gives us the best chance to win. So we're going to put Andy Dalton on the bench and kind of accelerate that that timeline to now. But all of a sudden we're kind of seeing that, hey, wait a minute. Because he hadn't been able to prepare all that much, you're you're going through all those growing pains in the regular season as opposed to you know training camp and, and to some extent preseason where you can iron out a little bit more of those things working with the starters in some of those ways. So like I, th I think there's a lot of offensive line blame in terms of pass protection, not giving Fields time to throw. He, he's the type of quarterback that needs a little bit more time to throw. You know they want more deeper downfield passing. He's not the quick rhythm West coast quarterback that Nagy was trying to force him to be at first. But since then they've kind of opened things up a little bit, switched some schematics with the offensive coordinator, Bill Lazor calling plays and now going to some more moving pockets some play action and trying to build a more rookie quarterback friendly system. But that only goes as far as your offensive line can go as far as your receivers can go. Cause they struggled to get open against bad secondaries the last couple of weeks. And it's really sort of been a, a complete team-wide failure that has included some misthrows and some bad plays and some bad decisions from Justin Fields. It just hasn't felt like the types of mistakes from Fields that feel catastrophic. It feels much more like rookie mistakes than some kind of fatal flaw that we're just seeing for the first time. Do do you guys feel that, or you know, you people that cover the uh, Bears or the fan still feel that Justin Fields still gives you the best chance 
to win. Because I remember when Andy Dalton got hurt. I mean, even in that game, he had completed like nine out of 11 passes, goes down with an ankle injury or foot injury. And then you have Fields come in. And since then, it hasn't been like just amazing to where he just outplayed Andy Dalton. Do you think they've kind of given Fields this time by default and just said we're going to build on whatever he looks like right now? Or do you truly feel he gives you guys the best chance to win? Because even in the win against the Raiders, it wasn't like Fields lit the world on fire. Yeah, I think it's it's honestly I think it's it's debatable right now on who gives you the best chance to win right now. And I, so I, then I think if it's if it's close, I think there's enough benefit from saying you know what, we're gonna we're gonna eat some of the the growing pains now with the idea that in theory you know another three four five six games under his belt maybe he more clearly then gives you the better chance to win. That of course like a rookie in his first couple of starts is is probably not going to be better than a veteran quarterback who's been around the league, but Dalton has such a very limited ceiling, right? We saw, we saw high completion percentage and he was able to drive down and get a couple of touchdown drives here and there, but he's not challenging defenses vertically and he's not able to make, you know, extraordinary plays at the quarterback position in the way that Justin Fields can. And so Fields is, isn't, isn't, doesn't have the baseline floor right now that Andy Dalton does, but once he sort of settles into it a little bit more in theory, he should be able to give you so much more. And even in games, we're seeing flashes of, of just, you know, beautiful sideline throws downfield, opposite hash, tight coverage, you know, cover two hole, I mean, dropping stuff over the top, over the tops of coverages and right into the bread baskets of receivers. Like the moments are there in, in his game where you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's why we're starting this quarterback. That's the quarterback this team drafted to trade it up to draft and make the future of their franchise. So it's like, it feels like they're so close. And I just wonder that if, if Dalton had been in there, with the same struggling offensive line with less mobility than Justin Fields, you know, would we be really seeing the same consistency from Dalton that we had seen earlier in the season, also going against, you know, the same really good teams that Fields plays the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know that it's the difference between winning and losing. I don't think Dalton puts them over the top against the, certainly not the Buccaneers last week when they were blown out and the, you know, the Packers fields drove them down and had them right in there at the end of the game and had a strong start. So he's been close or he's been completely blown out in these losses to where I don't know that Dalton necessarily immediately is the difference between wins and losses right now. And so I'm, I'm much more willing to accept some of the field's flaws and, and maybe some of the rough moments here, knowing that in theory, it should better prepare him to be the clearly better quarterback later in the season. Yeah. Hopefully it's not a, a, a get well game for fields throwing deep on that 49ers secondary, because uh, that's, that's one place they've not been great, but it, he said, he said he's, he could feel it. He's like, I'm close. I can feel I'm close to my breakout game. So maybe this is the one, you know, there's gotta be some fuel too. Justin Fields has to feel like he got burned by Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. Like when the 49ers traded up, I was so convinced it was fields because it was the only quarterback of that entire group that Kyle Shanahan had ever met. And and he worked with him when he was a teenager. So I wonder if he feels burned by Shanahan because and maybe Shanahan didn't like him. Maybe Shanahan had some uh, sort of inside info. I don't know. But do you think there's like any bit and we got to move on from fields, but I got so many questions about this. Um, is is there a bit of a processing problem? Is he just too nonchalant? Does he need to speed up his clock just because it's the NFL and windows are smaller and your offensive line isn't good enough for you to hang back like it was at Ohio State and make all these big plays all the time? Not necessarily. So it, it's kind of a combination of things, right? So like the, the Matt Nagy offense, if, if, if it was up to him, you know, it's a lot of like three-step quick concepts, right? And Fields is not that pristine 
timing placement quarterback, especially throwing to wide receivers that he hasn't worked with. It's, it's a little bit hard for him to, to get it out perfectly on time to Allen Robinson at the exact same time on his route when it's, you know, it's a five-step hitch and he's got to get it out on his third step, especially because I think mechanically Fields struggles most with footwork. I don't think it's as much processing speed in terms of being able to kind of go through his progressions because he knows he generally is pretty good at knowing exactly where he needs to go to ball with the balls. But then sometimes when he's when he's still in the pocket, but under pressure, he won't properly step into throws and he'll sail it or sink it a little bit. And, you know, some of these interceptions have kind of been weird situations. Like last week, he had three picks against the Buccaneers. The first one, the coaching staff in his headset said, hey, there's 12 men on the field. Snap it. You have a free play. So he snapped it and chucked the deep ball because he thought it was a free play. No penalty picked off because he was just trying to take a shot downfield. Second interception goes through Darnell Mooney's hands is tipped and receiver drops it picked off by another receiver. Right. So, I mean, there's, there's been those moments. There's been two free plays this season where he thought he had a free play, chucked it up and it's been picked off. Right. So there's been some of those mistakes have just been kind of weird, fluky things. Some of them have been little rookie things here and there. So I think he sees the field well enough that it's, I mean, he, every rookie quarterback needs to speed it up some, right. I, but I don't think, that's been a huge factor. The pressures have been extremely quick. The, uh, the center has not been great at picking up blitzes. The tackles have been pretty miserable at times in pass protection. And, and honestly, they haven't done enough play action to, to extend plays and move it, not even enough moving pockets at this point to really sort of maximize as much of his skill set as they can. Well, we've talked a lot about, you know, Justin Fields and not really a whole lot of who he's throwing to outside of Allen Robinson. You know, you guys have Donald Mooney over there. You know, what type of you know, problem does he pose for opposing secondaries? So Mooney was such a fun breakout last season and he started the season hot. Like Robinson was not a big part of this offense kind of randomly for the first couple of games. And Mooney was really a strong connection for both Dalton and then, and then Justin Fields. But the last two weeks, the bears have played the Packers and the Buccaneers who have both had like fourth and fifth string cornerbacks on the field and backup safeties. They've had two of the most injured secondaries in the NFL and Fields has not been able to have, find open receivers downfield for whatever reason. Wide receivers aren't creating as much separation. I think from a concept standpoint, they're not finding as much spacing on the field, and they just haven't been able to have guys for Fields to hit. And sometimes, you know, the pressure is coming too quickly, and so it's just a timing thing where you know one receiver is getting open as he's on the right side of his progression, and then once he feels the pressure, you know, the other receiver is getting open, but he's his eyes have had to go because there's pressure. Right? I mean, I think there's some cascading effects there, but it's been surprising the last few weeks how ineffective these wide receivers have been against really bad secondaries. And we're, we're still sort of scratching our heads looking for an exact answer, especially because the bears have been running the ball so well too. And you would think all of that would add up to a, a better situation, but it's a lot of offensive line. I think it's some scheme and, and some is just fields and timing and knowing, you know, how fast his receivers are and where exactly the placement needs to be in order for, you know, to lead Mooney properly on a vertical route or coming across the middle. How much leeway do you give Robinson to get to the ball to make sure it's on time? It's just sort of those little timing things that, should iron themselves out over time in theory. We've got to get to some predictions here for week eight, fellas. And uh, I think we'd need a COVID update too, because that's a, an interesting situation going on in uh, with the, the coaching staff and the locker room of the Chicago Bears. But I want to let everybody know about our friends at betonline.ag. Back and better than ever, a new web interface for the start of the basketball season. More props, more odds and more lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball, pro football, and college action this season. And, and taking a look, actually, maybe this line is getting juicier. If you're looking for a Bears upset, it's moving from 3.5 now to 4. 
the 49ers on the road are favored. So maybe that's one that you want to hit this weekend at betonline.ag. Uh, head on over to the updated desktop or mobile website. Sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code Locked On to receive that bonus. Not only basketball, football, but UFC, NHL, boxing, playoff, baseball, Vegas, casino games, and tons of amazing offers. So head to Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Promo code Locked On. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, gentlemen, a four-point favorite the 49ers are on the road, as we just heard from, from betonline.ag. I guess, I guess first of all, does that does that surprise you? I mean, given I mean the 49ers are two and four, the Bears, you know, and certainly not doing worlds better, but I guess you add in Matt Nagy's COVID test of turned with positive and probably not gonna have the head coach around. And the Bears are certainly spiraling right now, but the 49ers have lost four in a row. I mean, given given where you guys have seen this team, I, I guess just to, so we're not talking over each other, we'll start with, with you, Eric. I mean, do you are you, are you surprised to see the 49ers favored by that much in this game? Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially on the road. It almost kind of doesn't make sense to me. Now, maybe Vegas is looking at it how I'm looking at it, where the 49ers, you watch them and you're like, that's not a bad team. And somehow these games aren't resulting in more wins. But like we said about Kyle Shanahan and his overall record being worse than, than uh, Mike Singletary, your record is what it is, and 49ers, four-game skid, finding different ways to lose every week. So traveling to Chicago, I don't quite understand how the 49ers are the favorite, especially with just so much going on that you know with the quarterback position and, and haven't found that, that continuity or that rhythm. Uh, yeah, I, I would have expected the Chicago Bears to at least be one-point favorites. Yeah, on one hand – the Bears have a better record than the 49ers currently, and they're at home. So you would think, okay, that's at least going to be even or maybe even the Bears favored. And when I heard that Matt Nagy had COVID, I thought, oh, well, give me the Bears by seven then, because that's an, that's going to help uh, that's going to help the <laughs> Chicago Bears team. Right? I'm sorry, I kid. I don't know how you feel about it, Lauren. I have to believe though that there are some headhunters amongst Bears fans right now that are uh, that are itching to to get new leadership there because I just I haven't been impressed with it, and it's almost like okay, are we going to you're going to give them another shot after Trubisky? And I'm starting to feel bad actually for Trubisky now. Is like is that the next Ryan Tannehill with uh, what we're seeing with with Justin Fields? I'm, I don't like any of it. I don't like how they prepared the young quarterback. I don't really like much of what's going on with, you know, uh, the, the what's going on with uh, the offense and the scheme and just all of it feels bad and that he doesn't have any answers for it. So uh, I don't know. Is it addition by subtraction that Matt Nagy might not be available Sunday? Yeah, I grappled with this on yesterday's podcast in particular because it's like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, hurt the guy while he's down, right? I mean, of course, like, COVID is very serious, and I know he doesn't have any symptoms. He's vaccinated, and he, he'll be okay. But you know, of course, it's we wish him good health and all that. So I don't want to like, again, punch him while he's down. But it's like, if he's not calling the plays, what what exactly are the Bears <laughs> going to be missing, right? I mean, leadership and, and culture stuff, I guess, and and motivation on the sideline. But it it feels a little bit like. To some extent, at least on game day, he's he ends up being kind of a highly paid cheerleader on the sideline. There certainly, you know, during the week and game planning and stuff, he's in those meetings and he's obviously been he's a, a he's got a lot of more football knowledge than than certainly you and I, Brian. Maybe Eric's got Matt Nagy beat at this point, but you know he's been in, yeah. in those offensive meeting rooms. He's from the Andy Reid system, right? There's there's value somewhere 
in there to to his brain being involved in something. But yeah, it's it's been such a frustration point for Bears fans for a long time, dating back multiple seasons. And I think this this latest quarterback thing has just been another piece on top to where you feel like, okay, you're willing to say you're willing to sort of give this as the test of like, okay, was Trubisky true the problem? Here's Nagy's chance at a, another quarterback, not only picking out a veteran that he wants, but then a rookie too. And we're just we're not we're not seeing it yet. And you can start to say, well the roster's not built very well because of the offensive line and maybe the wide receiver depth and defense is not exactly what it once was either. But man, if you're, if you're going to change the general manager at that point, you got to probably change the head coach too. And I know we're sort of getting a little bit away from this game, but I I think there's at least an opportunity here for the bears to, to kind of prove a little bit of something, not that beating the two and four 49ers would prove something, but the last two games have been against two potential super bowl contenders in the, in the Packers and Buccaneers. And I don't know that anyone was really expecting the bears to win either of those games. So even though both losses feel really bad in the moment, they're losses is kind of what you were projecting there. And so if you can beat a 49ers team like this, that's maybe closer to the bears level, maybe you regain some of that confidence again, leaning on some of these excuses of like, well, it is a rookie quarterback and he is still getting th- things together. And even though maybe they bungled giving him the, the right preparation, if he can still become an elite quarterback, that's that's good enough to save Matt Nagy's job. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, just I, I have finish strong. Hey, I, hold on, Croc, because I want to give you some props first because he brought you up in, in your football acumen. I do want to say Eric Crocker has called plays for his seven on seven squad so uh I'd, I'd put him up against matt Nagy as a play caller because I, i've seen that i've seen that team i've seen the highlights on twitter i'm sure croc isn't putting the low lights on twitter but uh he's dialed up some plays <laughs> well yeah well what i wanted to say was unlike seven on seven where there's no defensive line the <laughs> bears are going to be missing at least khalil mack how does that affect maybe the outcome of this game yeah, I mean, obviously, you take away your highest-paid defensive player for a reason. I mean, that's that's going to be a, a significant loss for the Bears, especially depending on uh, how exactly things are going to go with, with Robert Quinn. Presumably, you know, should be back and, and ready to go, but we'll kind of make kind of see exactly what what condition he could be in given his situation. So, yeah, no, this is a this is a defense that needs to rely on its front seven. That their secondary is a clear weakness. There's not a lot of depth, not a lot of experience, and they've had some even you know. Eddie Jackson's kind of had another down year to start. He has no pass breakups in addition to no interceptions. He has not broken up, physically broken up a pass all season. It's really been a struggle on the back end. And so they've relied on Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack to just be incredibly disruptive up front and you know, not let quarterbacks have a lot of time to dice up their secondary because otherwise you're going to be able to find openings in this bare secondary. And so, yeah, you lose somebody like Khalil Mack. And honestly, I, I think it's it's that more than anything else combined with some other things as to why you've seen a four point favorite for the 49ers on the road. It's just like, as much as their records might say different things, I, I'm with you that the 49ers certainly look better than a two and four team. And right now, given the injuries and now the COVID and the, that's just the overall struggles, the Bears team has seen, they don't seem as good as three and four, especially like, you know, they beat the Cincinnati Bengals. And I don't know that this bears team right now could beat the Cincinnati Bengals right now. You know, so you start to kind of go through some of their wins and losses. And I'm, I, I find myself, not predicting a, a Chicago Bears victory in, in large part due to the absence of guys like Khalil Mack. This is a tough one. It's, I've kind of sat on the fence the last few weeks. There's been similar games where the Niners are favored and like, man, I think the Niners can win, but I think I would take the points and I feel like I would want to do that in this one. But, you know, no Khalil Mack. There's a, the, it just seems like as bad as the 49ers are playing right now, the, the Bears are in a worse place with the way they're playing. So it comes down to revenge game and it comes down to those quarterbacks. Jimmy G seems to play well when he goes back to Chicago. When he goes back home, is he going to play well? Is he going to answer the bell? Um, and 
on the other side, is there going to be a little bit extra for Justin Fields? Was he close as he said? Does he uh, take advantage of that 49ers secondary, throw up some deep balls, let Allen Robinson make some plays? Um, I, I think it's it's going to come down to the quarterbacks in this one. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait for this one Sunday. I, I think I find myself combining, I feel like the 49ers have the better head coach. I feel like in some part due to injuries, the 49ers have the better roster and even if the quarterbacks are a push at this point, I mean, Justin Fields, I think, is a wild card. And, and maybe Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo is more in that sort of Andy Dalton spot right now. It's And that's enough for me to, to take the 49ers and, and, you know, three or five or seven points. I don't think I don't think the other team is going to blow out the other team. But I do think I do think San Francisco. Any any final predictions for you, Eric? Yeah, I, I mean, like you guys said, be, because of, you know, won't have a head coach, won't have Kilo Mack, who – you know, really would disrupt things for the 49ers, you know, up front. I'd have to lean towards the 49ers. I still think that four points is a little rich. I would take uh, the Bears with the points, but I predict the 49ers win by about three points. Excellent. Well, that's going to do it for today's Crossover Thursday podcast. Appreciate everyone who's been tuning in, who makes Lockdown Bears or Lockdown 49ers your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, why don't you check out Brian Peacock's other podcast, Peacock and Williamson, breaking down all things NFL as well. You can never get enough Brian Peacock here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And you get more Eric Crocker on the Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast. Yeah. These, guys, these guys run this network. And so go listen to their other shows now that you're done with our crossover Thursday podcast. And of course, come back tomorrow for the Friday edition of both the Locked on Bears and Locked on 49ers podcast. Thanks, gentlemen.